WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. Yep, we're all mad at the National Football League. We're all mad at the rules. We're all mad at the officials. And we should be. The Steelers got screwed. But other teams have been screwed too often by this same stupid catch rule. And there are various incarnations of support or damnation of the catch rule. I gave you what Eli Manning said earlier, if you missed it. Eli Manning says he's okay with the catch rule and thinks it's totally clear. Which leads me to believe that not enough people have caught passes from Eli Manning this year in New York, and that's part of the reason why they stink. Maybe they just don't catch enough balls to have gotten screwed by the rule yet. Bill Belichick apparently was quoted in the wake of all this controversy surrounding his team being on the other side as saying this, and this is kind of interesting. Hate Belichick though you may, this is a point that I think he's right on. And actually, I, I think I heard John Steigerwald say this with Madden, or maybe I saw him on Twitter, and they're kind of the same age. So, you know, they, they both remember football without face masks and want to go back to that era, what I heard from Steige and seen on Twitter. That Belichick says, go back a few decades, and this whole thing about the nuances of the catch, it's done with the reason. And I'll put this out there to you as football fans, and you tell me, and, and Belichick's not endorsing it, he's just explaining it, all right? So... Don't think, oh, it's a Belichick opinion. It's fake news. As we all know, the, the, the phrase fake news means I disagree with your opinion, sir. I happen to disagree with your opinion. I have a difference of opinion. Now means fake news. Fake news. Everything's fake news. I don't like it. I don't agree. Now means it's fake. So, And I know you're going to think that just because it happened to come out of Belichick's mouth. But his inference is that the reason why the catch rule is as complicated as it is and why there has always been debate about it. He says, go back decades and look. That they want to make it harder to catch the ball so that there are fewer fumbles as a result. In other words, if you don't catch the ball first, it's going to be harder to call a fumble and have a costly turnover that could really swing the game. You know, In other words, it's, it's a lot easier to have the nuances of the game move forward thereafter. The butterfly effect of not having a fumble and having it merely be an incompletion is less damaging to the team. So let's make it harder to have fumbles. And that's a big reason why the whole, what's the difference between going to the ground with a ball and a fumble, that, that whole part of the conversation, that's part of the reason why it is what it is. Why can a, the ground cause an incompletion for Jesse James? And why can't it cause a fumble for... Any running back that jumps over the pile and falls and has the ball pop out, that's why. Because at some point, you have to end the play. And at some point, you're going to get a running back who goes to the ground, a ball carrier, I'll just say a ball carrier, goes to the ground, the ball pops loose, or he falls to the ground and there's pushing, shoving, tearing, ripping the football away, even for a couple seconds before the, wall, the, the whistle is blown. And you're going to get chaos. So I think Belichick is on to something there when he puts forth that explanation. And I agree with him. And I think you should too. But I know because he's the Patriots coach, you're going to disagree. But 412-333-9939. And the broader picture is where are we now with replay, right? There's a big replay is killing sports movement right now. Because if there is no replay, 
than Jesse James's touchdown stance. That's a very provincial way of looking at it. Not only is it provincial, it's a very in-the-moment way of looking at it. Because, just for the sake of argument, the Antonio Brown catch on the sidelines against Green Bay, let's say that's ruled an incompletion, and we go to replay, because the cameras ain't going anywhere, folks. If they were to eliminate football uh, replay in the National Football League, what are the cameras going to do? Disappear from NBC's broadcast? You think they're going to get rid of Skycam now? If they didn't get rid of it in the first quarter with Twitter exploding against the Titans, they're not getting rid of it now. So you're always going to get the same angles, and the officials are going to look even worse by extension if they get rid of replay. You can't get rid of replay because the refs aren't good enough. You can't get rid of replay because the refs are still going to be judged with the same cameras that we see as fans, if not better. Like the officials on Tuesday morning are all going to get their film studied by the National Football League and they are going to be graded up or graded down with the same cameras that you would no longer be used to correct their mistakes. They're not good enough. And, and, and when we go through, like, you know, especially the 50 something and over crowd, oh, football was better, hockey was better, baseball was better with all this replay, it slows the game down. Okay, yes, it does slow the game down. But go back to the Packer game. What if that call is ruled incomplete for Antonio Brown and you don't get a chance to reverse it and make it right? We would be in just as big of a snit as we are now. You can't get rid of replay in any sport because in all the sports, the officials aren't good enough. And the officials have too much on their plate. You know, I don't want to come down too hard on them because it's becoming a more increasingly difficult job. Now, some of the rules could be parsed down. You wouldn't need as many rules because officials wouldn't have to worry about what is or is not replayable. Uh, officials might just make a call that they think is accurate as opposed to, well, i got to make this call because at least then it can go up to the booth and I can get the automatic correction. So from that standpoint, yeah, it, it would help. But we're not going to eliminate Monday morning quarterbacking of the refs just because we get rid of replay. You know, a, a weird part of me would rather be mad at the rule book and be mad at the officials in the booth than be mad if we had the technology to get something right and we didn't use it. So that's why I think replay needs to stay. Um, Roethlisberger was talking today on his, on his uh, radio show. And he said, and I agree with him on this, that the officials in today's game are making too many calls. Yeah, there are too many penalties, I would say. Um, and I think they're sometimes inappropriately called. Now, they're missing some, too. I mean, you know, a lot of people, I know Patriots fans are up in arms back at Steelers fans. Are you guys complaining about the touchdown? How about your Eli Rogers touchdown? There are two guys downfield. You know, call the plays that are actually impacted, not the random holding call here, random holding call there. Uh, is, is there really a need for this flag in this situation? There weren't enough flags thrown against the Patriots, though, on Sunday, were there? I mean, they only had two for four yards. But any official that heard Roethlisberger say that today would say, Ben, we got to call these because they're so easily caught by the cameras now that we get graded down, so we have to call them more or we get busted. That stuff, that element ain't going away. The technology is there. If the technology is there, you can't run from it. It's just going to make you look worse as a league and as one of the guys actually wearing the stripes. Uh, let me go to uh, Max first, calling from his truck. 
Hi, Max. You're on 105 Now on the X. Hey, Tim. Hey, my question is, uh, at what point do you consider James as a runner towards the, towards the goal line? He obviously caught the ball. He had the ball in his hands. Let's say he, let's say he just sat there. Uh, again, the for, for the reasons that I don't want to admit, the part of the ruling that the on-the-field officials got right was if you're going to the ground and he was, he does not become a runner again until he goes to the ground and gets up. That's the answer. If you go to the ground, you have to complete the action of the catch through hitting the ground. That's the survive the ground. By the way, did you know you can get a survive the ground t-shirt? Have you seen these yet? I'm getting one. I'm, everybody gets a survive the ground t-shirt for Christmas this year. You can get them in the strip district. You probably get them on any corner downtown, actually, come to think of it. But I, I survived the ground. Um, so he was, not a ball, he was not a ball carrier yet at that point. Where I think they screwed it up was I don't think the ball moved out of his hands enough to constitute the need to go the next level to say that he didn't survive the ground. Let's get to Tom next, who's calling from I-79. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tim. Hi. Um, I, my view on replays, I, I think it has a place in sports, but I think it's gone too far. I think the point of replay should be to fix the obvious mistakes. It shouldn't be to, to break a play down to... By what every what defines obvious? Yeah, i got to stop you right there, Tom. What defines obvious? To you and me, Antonio Brown making that catch against the Packers is obvious. At real speed, in that kind of situation... By a nano inch, his foot being into an official—that's not obvious. That's why right. challenges well, exist. Like then, it, it's on the coaches then, for the most part, to more properly use their challenges or have more punitive measures in place if you get a challenge wrong. Right. Well, I, I guess maybe not obvious. They more black and white. Like in the Antonio Brown catch, his foot was in bounds. So now you're going to make it, it less it, obvious by drawing a line between obvious and black and white. I mean, you see, like there's got to be a beginning point and end point to every one of these discussions. You have replay or you don't. And, like, you know, what, what the NHL has done here with if you have your challenge and you use it and you don't get it right, it's gone and you lose your timeout, that's punitive. So it's making the officials or making the coaches rather think long and hard about do I really think Jonathan Druin or P.K. Subban were offsides here? And in a regular season game, not game six of the Stanley Cup or game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe they don't throw that challenge flag or make that challenge call. So, like, from that standpoint, I think the NHL is onto something. But, you know, they've already got that in football. You lose a timeout if you screw up a challenge. And it hasn't stopped the coaches. Bobby from the South Hills. And, by the way, that wouldn't have been a challengeable call anyway because that was um, inside of the last two minutes and it was a scoring play. Randy calling from Plum. Hi, Randy. Hey, uh, what's up, Tim? Hey, um, I, like, I like replay, but this is, this is my problem. The, the uh, referee makes a call. And that call has to be 100% conclusive to overturn it. So instead of sending it to one city, they need to send it to three different cities. And if, both, if all three cities come back with the same, the same conclusion, then overturn the call. But if, it, if just one of those cities come back with a different conclusion, then that means it's not 100% because people, uh, well, why do we always do this? Like, whenever we talk about something being simplified, we complicate it more. That's why we are where we are. We tried to simplify what a catch was, and we got it more complicated. Now you want to send it to three cities at the same time? You know what's going to happen the next time? Like, if, if we had your formula there, you know what would have happened? Jesse James, one guy would have said he was in, 
One guy would have said that he wasn't in, and the third guy would have said, George Iloka's suspension is reduced. That's what happens. Too many cooks. 412-333-9939. You can also tweet me if you like, at Tim Benz PGH. The answer to this question can go any other, any number of directions, but the question is simple. What do you want to do about replay? My answer is simple. Keep it. You can't overcomplicate this. You got to have it. If you don't have it, we'll be just as ticked off over a call that was missed as opposed to a rule that was improperly advanced. Again, 412-333-9939. Okay, uh, Stan Saverin coming up a little bit later on in this hour. Also coming up here in the 4 o'clock hour, i got to get more to the bottom of this Martavis Bryant girlfriend story before I run completely with it. I, I need corroboration on this one before we get much further. Um, oh, Mike Pereira. Speaking of replays, you hear what Mike Pereira said? This guy's become my new Dr. Chow. Actually, he was my Dr. Chow before Dr. Chow. Now he's replaced Dr. Chow again. I'll tell you what he had to say about this whole friggin' thing. That's next here on 105.9 The X. Hey, give yourself a great gift this holiday season with our free iHeartRadio app. Go ahead. You're definitely worth the price. It's free. And you make it what you want. Create your own Christmas music list or death metal station if you're not really feeling the holiday mood. It's the number one rated music app out there. You get every Penn's game live, and it's free. Download our free iHeartRadio app now, or you can listen online right there at your computer at iHeartRadio.com. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan, big fan. Hashtag best in the world. You are the super genius. <laughs> I'll say, and then some. VX at 105.9. Tim Benson for Mark Madden. Today, we are brought to you by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner since 1956. Um, the Steelers need to lose all their cell phones. Like, that's what needs to happen between now and the end of this season, wherever it may end, Foxborough, beyond, or before. The Steelers need to ditch their cell phones, and they shouldn't be allowed to have them next year. Because How how was it not Antonio Brown that streamed Martavis with another girl, and it ended up being Lev Bell? I mean, it's got to be... Two of the three of them have to be involved in every one of these things, right? Like, you, we just can't go a week. So, 12 up, I've never heard of 12 up. Total Sports Online has this story, too. Enough people have put it out there that I don't feel responsible if this turns out to be bogus for being one of the people that advances it. It's out there all over the place now that Bell was filming him and some of his buddies out, and Martavis was there, and another girl was there with him. Not, you know, the girl that was demanding the trade earlier in the season, but a different girl. So she went on like a 46-tweet tirade about Martavis running around on her. And she was also kind of like blaming Bell for doing it. Did you get that impression? Like she was blaming, like, what are you doing putting this out there, Le'Veon? I don't know. I mean, like, shouldn't you be happy that someone did? Uh, just another, It just never stops. It never stops. Like, we could have gotten through this week on our own without this, but now we have it. And it is good. These guys just can't avoid the off-the-field stuff. And it's always with the phone. It's always something with the phone. Remember, like, when, when Bell came back after the uh, suspension was reduced? I, I shouldn't say it. Not when he came back. When the suspension got reduced from four to three games. And he had to do that video. And he kind of revealed that he was smoking dope after. 
Like, oh, no, 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 I, I misspoke. I misspoke. Well, he put it up right away, and he got his timetable wrong, where he made it sound like he had been smoking dope after he had been screened again. And I was like, take it down, take it down. You just incriminated yourself. What? They get into so much trouble with their phones. A, B in the locker room, just take them away. Treat them like they're 11-year-olds in middle school. You don't get your phones back until after finals or something. I don't know. Anyway, we were talking about replay before. Oh, I got to get to the Pereira thing. Yeah, so I'm in this big war with Mike Pereira. And you might say it's not really a war because he hasn't responded to me yet, but I'll make it a war. I'm in a one-way war with Mike Pereira because Pereira, first of all, he's just he's smarmy and snotty with how he handles fans and media when it comes to rules. Like, did you see like how condescending he was in talking about the Jesse James rule? This is the this is the deal. How do you not understand it by now? And he kind of said the same thing today on CBS Sports Radio. So I don't like him from that standpoint. I also don't like him because I think he's a water carrying ombudsman for the officials and for the league. And I think he is selectively critical in what he says. And he's kind of if you're in that now position of public power to disseminate opinion with that sort of background as the former whatever he was league replay czar league official czar then you know when something's screwed up you should say it and he he cracked me up today because first of all he was like defending the the catch rule and defending the refs and how they implemented it and making people feel dumb for not understanding it that rule is so complicated and all the rules of the national football league are immensely complicated and you want to talk about turning off fans for people who don't get it like you know a good way for me to continue to be turned off as, as a soccer fan don't explain the rules to me so now you're going to make people feel small at a time where you're trying to keep as many fans as possible. You're trying to turn them off by calling them idiots because they don't understand a stupid rule in the first place. Jackass. I, I can't stand this guy. But you got to follow him because you want to see what dumbass explanation he comes with to defend the league. So I do. But Pereira said today on CBS Sports Radio, I, I swear he said this, I'm starting to think that the catch rule might be hurting the game. Uh, really? Welcome to the friggin' party. You're just now starting to think that? Like, what set me over the top with him this weekend was when he tagged his long, and thank God he's got double the characters, when he tagged his long tweet by saying, just ask Dez. F you, just ask, just ask Dez. You snot. So what are you saying then? What are you saying, that because it was a bad rule for Des Bryant, it's got to continue to be a bad rule for Jesse James and whoever gets screwed in the Super Bowl? So it was a bad rule then, so it's got to continue to be a bad rule? Kiss off. Just ask Des. Screw you. Let's go to Nick, who's calling from his car. Hi, Nick. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Um, honestly, I didn't, I didn't even know the rule prior to the game. I had no idea. I, I found out as it happened. Um, but the thing that's upsetting is that we're actually at that point where it's that important compared to, you know, the Steelers. They possess the ball 11 minutes more than New England. They had more total yardage, but the sound football, they're not playing sound football where they had six penalties that hurt them compared to New England's two. They punted four times where New England punted only twice. I hate that that's what we have to rely on because of it shouldn't have come to that you know what i mean i think they should have been able to beat them outright and not in the last minute of the game yeah I, I know where you're going with that nick i mean the bottom line is that they did get screwed over by a bad rule and if that bad rule doesn't exist they win the game but to your point this is something i'm going to talk about a little bit later on in the show 
enough went wrong that I really, I'm almost offended as a Steeler fan to have some of the narrative out there. Oh, the, the better team didn't win. The better team didn't win. It's amazing. How many times are we going to come up with a new and convenient excuse as to why the Steelers lose to the Patriots? Well, Troy didn't. Troy Edwards didn't run out of bounds. If they didn't give up a block kick, if Plex catches the ball, Spygate, Deflategate, the headsets went out. It's got to be something every time. It's like we want to suggest that the two times they've beaten Brady and Belichick together, that's how it should have gone every time, and the 11 times they lost were all a fluke. 55-31 was closer than you think. What are you talking about? I mean, I've seen a lot of that. This whole the better team didn't win stuff. You, there's a, you got screwed by a bad rule. But a, the clearly better team doesn't blow that lead. The clearly better team doesn't get disproportionately beaten down by Gronk and Brady. It's not disproportionate to the average quarterback and tight end I'm talking about here. They do that to the Steelers way more than they do it to anybody else. And I'll get into that a little bit later on as well. Um, Stan Saverin coming up, and uh, we'll get more into the Penguins too. I want to get back into this trade stuff as well. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden here on 105.9 The X. Quick hockey note here as we welcome Bob McLaughlin to the show, brought to us by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner since 1956. Do you see this goal that Adam Henrique scored for the Ducks against the Devils in his return game to Jersey? Was that the flip? He flipped it over Votnin for whom he was traded, <laughs> and then waltzed in and stopped and threw in a great backhand. It was it, that probably was the goal of the season, don't you think? Yeah. On that was... stage in that moment against that guy, Votnin was laughing. Did yeah. you see him laughing? Pretty impressive. I saw the follow like through. Like the puck went there, and he's yeah. laughing and giggling as he's getting beaten for the goal. It was spectacular. All right, we have some unfortunate news that we need to pass along here. Um, Heather North died at seventy-one. You have no idea who Heather the North is, do you? I didn't. Not Peter's sister. No. Daphne. She was the voice of Daphne from Scooby-Doo. And as we all know, Daphne was the most bangable cartoon of all time, right? Right up there. The most bangable. At least that's what I thought until I started researching my own question. (laughs) (laughs) In my head, I remember her as being the most bangable cartoon of all time. Now, who did you suggest? Well, Jessica Rabbit's right. Uh, up Jessica there also. Rabbit, yeah. Right. Um, one of the Pussycats. I can't think of which one. It was I found the Pussycats here. There's like whoever. Well, Josie's the one that plays the guitar, right? Correct. Not the drummer. No. If you put the blonde-haired drummer's hair on Josie, then I'd be with you. <laughs> but she's kind of got Marcy's hair on Daphne's body with All, the leopard skin. Also, right up there, Tim Ariel from Thundar the Barbarian. She's stacked. Yeah, that's where they she really. She looks so like Romy Rain. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now, Jem, I, I, I Googled Jem because, you know what, I'm, I'm into the metal chick look. Um, she kind of looks like Sally Wiggin in a Halloween costume. I don't know why I think that, but every time I look at Jen, I think it Sally Wiggin with a Halloween costume. I'm not on. too familiar with Jem. She was the... Don't know the, that one. Jem, she's truly outrageous. You don't remember that cartoon from like back in the 80s? I guess not outrageous enough. Wasn't like Bonnie Rotten outrageous? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just checking. Where's she go? Oh, maybe there's one tattoo underneath there. I didn't... <laughs> Um, okay, and then I thought about He-Man. Remember She-Ra? Oh, yeah. That was oh, He-Man's yeah. girlfriend, right? Yep. She was pretty hot. I think the same, absolutely the same 
uh, silhouette as uh, Ariel. I think they were actually the same company. But then I found Tila, who was also from the He-Man universe. And I think that was Tila. He-Man's sister. One was the girlfriend, the other one was the sister. She's She is wearing, in a cartoon, honest to God, <laughs> an outfit that I think would be too revealing for a stripper that just walked on stage at Blush. Was there also a... Sh- Do you have the list up there, Tim? <laughs> She-Ra. That's what She-Ra? Was- okay. No, you said T-Tira. And then Tila. Tila. Okay. Yeah, one of them's a sister, one of them's the girlfriend. Tila... Gets cold in that cave at night, Tim. At, like, she's a sextuple D, <laughs> and what she's wearing around her waist crops up her backside like a wedgie. I, I swear to you, I've seen the headline performers at Blush come out wearing less Tim. more sorry more she's wearing less than them now you know why that took over the number one spot from captain caveman and she's got the little ram horns under her boobs to accentuate them <laughs> I, I, how did they get away with drawing this like i can what? see it what? i just want to know what site you're looking at i, I just, do a google search for tila images and they pop up right in your face gotcha well long live heather north i can't believe she's only 71 i thought she was maybe Older than that. Honestly, we're going to hit this 30-second break. I'm going to spend all 30 seconds motorboating my Mac here. Well, no, on the other side of the break, we're going to find out that Daphne killed her, and she would have gotten (laughs) away with it, too, except for those meddling kids. Those meddling kids from the Masters of the Universe universe. All right, in 30 seconds, uh, I've got some really damaging news for Steeler fans who think, next time will be different. I'll tell you why it won't be. Next. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, I uh, love the show, man. Hey, Mark, how you doing, pal? All hail, double M. The X at 105.9. Stan Saverin joining me, Tim Benson, from Mark Madden today. He's brought to us by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. You can hear Stan on ESPN Pittsburgh, and of course, you can catch him on AT&T Sportsnet. Uh, Jay Caulfield joined us from AT&T Sportsnet earlier to talk about those Penguins trades. Uh, if you missed him, Josh Archibald is going out to Arizona. Michael Layton is coming as a backup goaltender. Uh, also involved is uh, Alexiak, the defenseman from the Dallas Stars. All, what is he, six foot seven, two 255 pounds of him. Jamie Alexiak from the Stars. Stan, what would you make of the moves? Well, initially, uh, before the move with Dallas, uh sort of foretold, you know, what was about to happen. I still think it's a precursor to what we, we see later. Um, I don't see the need for a 36-year-old goaltender um, who has only had seven starts in the last seven seasons, and then he goes down to Wilkes-Barre. Um, i, I got to believe that if they're considering something major, and you're considering parts to trade that may be Tristan Jari, which would bring you a ton in return, might be on the block. I mean, it's hard to figure you know, why they want a 36-year-old playing at Wilkes-Barre. It makes no sense to me. Uh, it also tells me that uh, if, if they get the defenseman from uh, Dallas, that Ian Cole, I, I like Ian Cole, but he's taking a lot of penalties, or they might be saying, you know what, with this guy at this size, maybe we don't need Ryan Reeves around here. Actually got a bad line with Stan. We're going to call him back in just a second. So hang on. We'll get Stan back in the line because we do want to talk some football too. I will give you some quotes here from Josh Yowie in the meanwhile. Uh, plenty more to come on the, the Penguins trades. We're not getting off of that with Stan. But um, this came in as uh, we were talking the previous segment from Josh from The Athletic. Uh, he got off the phone with uh, GMJR not too long ago. Some bullet points that he put out. Penguins thought that Archibald was expendable because, quote, we have so many small guys. That ties into what 
Stan was just talking about. Apparently, they've had an eye on Alexiak for two years, and that does sound familiar to me. I thought his name did come up at one point in trade talks, maybe last year before they got Hainsey, but I had heard that name floated out at one point or another. Alexiak is likely to play on the right side where he is most comfortable, and according to what Josh is tweeting here, Alexiak's presence could open the door for more trades, uh, the most likely of which, as Stan was referencing, Ian Cole. Uh, I don't like that swap personally. I think that the whole Cole has to go, that trade thing, has as much to do with an apparent personality conflict between Sullivan and Cole. I wrote about that in the Trib before, all that talk about Cole is being too friendly with the media. I guess we got to stand back now. Uh, Stan, why, why do they not like Cole as much as they apparently don't like him? It, it doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, I don't. I, the thing about him is, and why I when the talk first came up uh, a couple of weeks ago, is that you don't have anybody who plays on the blue line like he does. You have other defensemen who are good, but don't play that style. And if anything, they need more of that than less of that. Um, if there's a personality conflict, uh, there sure didn't seem to be the last two cup runs. Although, let's remember, when Cole first met up with Mike Sullivan, he was a healthy scratch for a number of games, uh, and I don't know what that was all about. Uh, but I mean, I think Cole was, you know, has been a terrific performer in the playoffs. I do think that the number of penalties that he takes um, has become a problem uh, and something that's got to be, you know, including last night. Uh, but I, you know, uh, I think he's fine. Um, I think there are other defensemen, frankly, who are playing well under the level that Ian Cole's playing under. Um, one is the highest paid defenseman they have. Uh, and again, as I was saying, I don't know if you heard this portion or not, um, if this guy can handle himself, and you would think by his size, although I, I, I hope this isn't Doug Burns Redux here, a crankcase, uh, whatever crankshaft. Crankshaft, yes, yes. A crankshaft, um, who couldn't move, got to move in this case. Maybe they're saying, if we've got that kind of physical presence on the blue line, which, by the way, we need more of, in my opinion, then maybe they're going to admit that maybe they made a mistake with Ryan Reeves. Although I think it's also fair to say, Tim, that last night the fourth line was the best line on the ice. That tells you why they lost. Yeah, I thought it was the best line as well, Stan. And when it comes to the fourth line the way it performed, uh, this quote from Rutherford here about how we got so many small guys already. Uh, okay, but at least I see Josh Archibald with a discernible trait, and that's raw foot speed. You know, he can really skate. He can really move. And if you're going to keep Haglin, what if he gets hurt? If you're going to keep Rust, what if he gets hurt? Or what if you want to trade those guys and maybe get more in return? You could get a cheaper addition of what they are in Josh Archibald if you had kept them. Yeah, I mean, I think you like Josh Archibald, but they do have a surplus of those type of guys. Um, if you're talking about trading Hagelin, there are two things about him. Number one, he is of value only to certain teams. Now, there's, if you're looking for a major piece, you're not going to get that for Carl Hagelin. If you're looking for a younger player, you're not going to get that for Carl Hagelin because Hagelin is valuable if you are a cup contender. Uh, he, and that's why he's more valuable here than anywhere else. Uh, I know that he needs to score more but he doesn't have to score a lot to earn his keep because once they get into a playoff mode, if they indeed ever get there, he's a guy who is invaluable, not only as a penalty killer,
but a four checker. He might be the best four checker in the NHL with that speed, the way he hunts down pucks. That's not a value to, for example, a team like Arizona. You know, they're not going anywhere now. They're not going anywhere in the near future. And he just doesn't have the same value level a team like that as he does here. I'm okay with Tristan Jari being the backup goaltender. In fact, I've endorsed that since, you know, we all realized that Marc-Andre Fleury was going to Vegas. Uh, He's always going to be Matt Murray's backup, so why not let him be Matt Murray's backup? Uh, I don't see the need to replace him with a veteran, and maybe, as we alluded to earlier, Stan, this is suggesting that they are going to trade Jari because he's shown enough that other teams might be interested and might give something substantive back to the Penguins. If so, then okay. Otherwise... I don't know what the purpose is of going out and getting Leighton unless you're just going to use him for veteran goaltending depth since he's on a two-way contract. No, I, I think that, that um, there's, there's only one logical explanation for this, and that is that Tristan Jerry, if you're looking to trade pieces to get something major in return, then Tristan Jerry, without tearing up the front level of your team, is the way to go. I don't think this is about any level of dissatisfaction with Tristan Jerry. Quite the contrary. I think the fact that he's proven himself to a degree, then all of a sudden, now you're talk, we're talking about a, you know, a team that's rebuilding, um, you know, maybe they're going with a 33-year-old veteran. Maybe now they'd like to com- you know, continue the rebuilding process, uh, remodeling process, whatever, with a guy like him. I don't think this is the payment of registering any dissatisfaction with Tristan Jerry. But let's remember, no matter how good he is, he's always going to be Matt Murray's backup. There's only a year difference in age between the two of them. And the only caveat you might throw in there, Tim, is that, you know, Murray and injuries and those kinds of things. Uh, but I, I don't think you can operate like that uh, unless it was the same injury all the time. I mean, I don't think you can operate by saying, oh, well, what if this guy gets hurt? Well, you could say that about anybody. So I do think that this is not about their uncertainty about the level of Jari's performance, but rather what can we get in return if indeed they're thinking we need a major piece in here, um, there are certain people we're not going to give up, uh, and and so this is a logical got to go because, and I don't mean to demean the kid or the position, but all he's ever going to be around here is the backup. Stan, when it comes to other trades involving the Pirates potentially, when they come north by the time spring training is over, McCutcheon, Cole, Harrison. Are you sure that any of those three will still be on the team? If so, who? I'm not sure about that. Um, I think, frankly, the, the one most likely to go uh, at this point is Cole. Uh, I think because you can get the most in return for him because he's got two years of service. I mean, Josh is a nice player, but I don't know that anybody's breaking the bank. I mean, he's a piece. Cole, um, if he ever reaches his potential, and I don't think he'll ever reach it here, and that's not only on him. I believe the Pirates are complicit in that as well. Um, and McCutcheon, of course, only has the one year remaining. Um, and I think that they, and they should, they finally got to a point where sometimes you have to say, well, we're not going to get anything for them. Then we get the most out of them, and then we let them walk. That's what they should have done with Neil Walker. Not that things would be any that much different with Neil. But at some point, you've got to say, we're not going to get anything in return for this guy. Are we better with him or without him for one year? And the answer in McCutcheon's case, you're better. The answer with Neil was, you're better. 
And if you lose them at the end of the year, then that's just the cost of doing business. Finally, Stan, I don't know where you are on Instant Replay. I know it's the chief villain that everybody is excoriating these days in Pittsburgh. My response to a lot of that is, yeah, Replay has its flaws, but we're better off with it than without it. For every Replay overturn that comes up with a rules debate we don't like, if we didn't have it, there'd be a blown call by an official. I don't think you can put the Replay genie back in the bottle. How about you? I was listening to, you know, I agree wholeheartedly. The issue here is not replay. The issue is what causes them to go to replay. The issue in this particular instance is the rule. I was talking with a very highly placed NFL executive just today, and I'll use his line. He said, we're making it just too hard. It's just too hard. Uh, I use this analogy, Tim, on my show and, and on uh, the post-game show. Let's say, for example, you're sitting down uh, and there's a, sh- a drama on TV comes on. You start to watch it, and the plot becomes so convoluted you can't follow it. And it's what, what, what? You know, I'm working that to be entertained. I don't want to be taking a final exam. It's supposed to be entertaining. And as much as people love their team, love the Steelers, so on and so forth. It was a... What uh, what was that? Stan, I was just getting word over to Bob on something. Go ahead. I apologize. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking to me. Uh, Nobody ever. Are you talking to me? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We'll do instant replay on that and see whose fault it was. Who hit the wrong button first? But I... You know, listen... (laughs) As, as as much as people you know love the Steelers, love whatever their team happens to be, it still is entertainment. And if you're asking people to sit there and take a final exam, they they're going. That's one of the reasons that some people are turning away from the NFL. It just it's too hard. It, you, you know, is a catch? It's not. It's a touchdown. The issue here is the rule. Uh, I think the fact that Tomlin. Is on the competition committee. This is going to come up. Um, I, I think what we have here, I think most observers who are watching with their eyes and not their heart, uh, or some of both in, in this particular case, given who they were playing, and the Chad off New England media, which don't get me started on them, um, the, 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 the call was the correct call based on a flawed and imperfect rule. Uh, if, I, if I got 30 seconds, I'll tell you a brief story. Sure. 16 years ago, almost to the day, the day after the Tuck Rule game, New England, snowstorm against the Raiders. The next day, the Steelers are at Heinz Field, first playoff game at Heinz Field, and a bunch of us freeloaders are sitting around in the media lounge there, and we're talking about what a horrible rule that, uh, what a horrible call that was, how the referee botched it, and so on and so forth. The Tuck Rule, which started New England's dynasty. Dan Rooney, God rest his soul, came up to the table very nicely. He said, they made the correct call, but the rule is awful. We have to change that. And they did. They changed the tuck rule. And it's, you know, you know we see it now. Uh, there's always going to be some, you know, issues about it, but it's, it's, it's more simplified. This is an exact parallel. It's not the fact that replay overturned it. It's the fact that the rule is flawed that needs to go away. There should not be any difference between a runner going for a touchdown or a receiver, not yet ruled a runner, going for a touchdown. Runner, 
just has to cross the plane. Not so with the receiver who's got to complete the catch. And again, you know, I'm continuing to get things. Here's the issue. There was a deadly combination here. The deadly combination was that the ball moved in James's hand and they ruled that the ball grazed the grass. If the ball doesn't graze the grass, technically, you could catch a pass at your own one-yard line, bobble it while you're running 99 yards as long as, A, it doesn't hit the ground, B, you're not tackled, and you secure it before you do hit the ground. And that's what happened. We had a deadly combination of those two things happening. My biggest beef, Tim, was I did not think the evidence was conclusive. If they would have ruled that was incomplete in the first place, I would have said there's no way they're overturning that. It's just not conclusive, and it wasn't. And that's my big beef and the fact that the rule is awful. It needs to be changed. They're making it too hard. One thing I will point out before we go here, Stan, about that conversation at that table that day after the uh, AFC playoff game with the tuck rule, I believe it ended with, eh, it's all right. These Patriots are kind of nice, nice little story. <laughs> it's good to see the Raiders get screwed. Yeah, there's no question. I, I even mentioned that. You know, it's funny about that, that everybody was happy that the Raiders lost. Yeah, this, this everybody... is a fun little Patriots team. That Tom Brady, he's a nice story. They'll be good for a couple years. You know what? I have to admit it. When they played the Rams in their first Super Bowl, I was rooting like crazy for the Patriots because Mike Marks was an arrogant jagoff. <laughs> and I wanted them, he was, and I wanted them to lose. Well, shame on me for 16 years for that one. All right, uh, actually going to get to more about that very topic, actually, in the 5 o'clock hour. Stan, thanks for stopping by. My pleasure, Tim. Thank you. All right, this is Stan Savern from ESPN Pittsburgh. You can hear him daily upstairs. Uh, make sure you check him out as well on SNR, the last hour of his show during the football season. Savern on Steelers can be simulcast there as well. Um, Bob and I uh, have some unfortunate celebrity passing news that we need to give you. This one, this one's going to hit home. And I saw Star Wars, too. Did you see the new Star Wars with the kids yet, Bob? All right, I'll, I'll give you a review. We'll do that before the top of the hour. Tim Ben's in for Mark today here on 105.9 The X.